Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of Rocky Jordan called Count Me Out. It first aired on November 7th, 1948. Time now for Rocky Jordan. Down the street from my cafe tambourine, there's a place called Rakam's. You couldn't say Rakam and I were old friends. We were just old competitors. Somehow, we managed to stay out of each other's way until he hired Tasana. I'd heard about Tasana. They said she was tall, tan, and terrific. But when she danced, it was like a moving bronze statue, alive and sultry. Yeah, they said her dancing was out of this world. Well, that's what happened to a couple of people who watched her. They, too, went out of this world. Again, we bring you a story of adventure with a man named Rocky Jordan, proprietor of the Cafe Tambourine in Cairo. Cairo, gateway to the ancient east where modern life unfolds against the backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, Count Me Out. My business hadn't been getting any better since Tassano went to work for Rockham. I decided to find out why. It was a little after one in the morning when I locked up my place and strolled over to Rockham's to catch the last show. I made two stops on the way. Once when Hinnock, one of the street beggars, collared me for a coin. Then, just as I was about to push open the door to Rockcom's, I ran into Barney Grogan. When he saw me, his big puffy eyes lit up like pumpkins on Halloween. Barney was a Matt-burned ex-wrestler who'd taken more dives than an Olympic diving champion on exhibition. Every time you bumped into him, he had a new pitch, the kind you have to handle with fumigated gloves. I didn't want any part of him. Hiya, Rock. Hello, Grogan, and so long. Oh, now, wait a minute, Rocky. You ain't gonna give your old pal Barney Grogan a brush out for you. How do you catch on so easy? Look, Rock, I got a deal for you, a real deal. Some other time, I got business. In Rock Arms? <laughs> Look, I'll give you a tip. You can't watch Tassana dance and think about business. It won't work. Oh, she's that good, huh? Sensational, Rock, sensational. But look, why don't you give it the go-by for tonight? I got a red-hot idea. Money in it little proposition I want to talk over with you. Beat it, Grogan. I'm not in the market for any of your deals, hot or cold. Rocky, so help me if you'll just let me give you the inside. Uh-uh. Now remove that overstuffed fist from my shoulder, huh? Okay, okay, Rock. Go on in and give this honor the once-over, but I'll be seeing you later. Yes, sir, you're going to be wanting in on this deal, so I'll be waiting for you. Well, don't do it around the tambourine. It's closed for the night. Closed, huh? Okay, Rock. Okay, I'll see you. A couple of Arabs in flowing white robes eased past us and went inside. But what was behind them caught my eye. There were two men. One walked two steps behind and to the left of the other. I got the feeling they'd measured it that way. Both wore pinstripe pants, well-tailored afternoon coats, and ascots. They weren't winking at me. Those were really monocles. I followed them on inside. Asana had just finished a number and the customers were hanging on the ropes. Rakam was standing over by the bar, grinning like an undertaker on his day off. I worked my way through the crowd and found a small table in the rear. 
Rakam spotted me and came over. He slipped his round body into a chair and tucked his watch charm under the table. Well, Rocky, it is not often you honor me with your presence. Ah, uh, Rakam, I don't have to ask you how's business. Uh, no. Uh, no, you need not ask. Uh, is this not wonderful? Uh, and I owe it all to my little Tisan, my beautiful little flower, my adorable... Your adorable little gold mine. Yes, my adorable little gold mine. How about letting her do a couple of guest shots in my place, Rakam? Tisan, I should let her go to you. Lucky, you take me for a fool? Surely you must be joking. Yeah, sure, I was just joking. May I sit down, Mr. Jordan? Tisan, my dear, of course, of course, do sit down. I've heard much of you, Mr. Jordan. Well, I wouldn't classify you as top secret, Tisana. Uh, Mr. Jordan was just telling me, my Rakam, dear... Rakam, but... would you mind leaving us alone? I would like to talk to Mr. Jordan. Hmm? Alone, Rakam. Oh, very well. But remember, Tisana, you, you must change your costume for the next night. I will not be long. Hey. Well, I will see you later. Uh, don't hurry, Rakam. Oh, what's on your mind? I, uh, I need help, Mr. Jordan. I, I've been threatened. And what you need is a bodyguard or a private eye. I'm not for hire. Please, Mr. Jordan, listen to me. Why don't you take it to the police? No. No, I don't want the police involved in this. Mm, private matter, huh? Mr. Jordan, look, over there. You see that man sitting at the table near the door? The tall, handsome man with the monocle. He is Count Frasino. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hadn't recognized him before. You you do not know him? I'll admit he stands out in a crowd. What's with the monocle and striped pants? He's an Italian nobleman, Mr. Jordan. A very old family. Who's the carbon copy with him, his brother? No, no. He's Count Fresino's personal secretary. They're always together. His name is Romani. Uh, and what about the Count? Has he been sending you little mash notes? Mr. Jordan, I, I can't tell you now. You come to my dressing room after the show. Look, lady, I said I wasn't for hire. Very well. But I am certain we can make other arrangements. Uh, well, I... Uh... Thank you, Mr. Jordan. I'm so happy you like my number. Oh, Romani's paying us a visit, huh? Okay. Yeah, I could use a floor show like you over at my place, Tisana. Business has been kind of falling off lately. Mr. Lacan, you know, I don't Good think morning. he... I trust I am not intruding. Huh? Oh, Romani, it's you. What do you want? Are you not going to ask me to join you? No, I wish you'd go away. Well, really, I did not mean to offend. I only... Mr. Jordan and I are discussing business. Can't you see that? Uh, yes. Uh, then I will deliver my message and leave you. Very well. What is it? Count Frosino wishes you to join him at his table immediately. You will tell the noble Count that I do not wish to see him. Tisana, I beg you... No. Now, I wish you'd leave me alone. Do you understand? Yes. Yes, I, I will go. I will go. Mr. Jordan, will you come to my dressing room later? Well, I uh, said before I wasn't for hire, but... Uh... Then, as a friend, I will be most appreciative... Look, Tisana, your boss, Rakam's over there trying to catch your eye. I think the customers are getting anxious. Why don't you go get ready for your number? Yes, yes, I know, but... Uh, I haven't seen I... you dance yet, you know. You will wait here... Sure, sure. Now, slip into the seven veils, will you? Rakam's having a nervous breakdown. Tizana eased out of the chair and went back to the dressing room. Rakam took a handkerchief out of his pocket, mopped his brow, and scurried around to his customers. 
informing them that the beautiful Tizana would be out on the platform soon. I leaned back in my chair and waited. But I never did see Tizana dance. Happened to glance over to the front entrance and caught sight of Hinnock, the beggar. He was motioning to me, so I went over. Mr. Jordan, Mr. Jordan, yeah? you must go quickly. There is something wrong at your cafe. My cafe? What are you talking about? It's closed. Yes, yes, I know. But as I was walking by a few moments ago, I saw a light inside. And there was a shot. Shot? Yes, yes, I heard it. I swear, Mr. Jordan, it came from your cafe. Okay, Hannah, come on. The beggar, Hinnock, and I ducked out of Rockcom's place and ran down the street to my cafe. When we got there, the place was dark and quiet. We slipped around to the side door. It was open. I'd taken three steps into the cafe when a flash of light cut across the room. Hinnock and I hit the floor together, and then someone ran past us. A second or two later, I heard the back door slam. I got up, walked over, and turned on the lights. The cafe was empty. Hinnock had disappeared. A minute later, he came running out of my office. Mr. Jordan, Mr. Jordan, come, look. What's up, Hinnock? In here, Mr. Jordan, your office. Oh, I don't see anything. No, no, look. There on your desk, Mr. Jordan. Lying on the blotter on my desk was a gun. Not just any kind of gun. It was shiny and new and had all the earmarks of an Italian dueling pistol. I picked it up. It was a dueling pistol, all right. Hollow, made out of tin. The kind of a gun that would make a great duel between six-year-olds. Mr. Jordan, it is a child's toy. Stick around, Hinnock. I got places to go. But, 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 Mr. Jordan... I said stick around. I raced back out into the alley. It was dark and deserted. I whirled around at the sound, then I saw him at the end of the alley. He stumbled as he passed under the street lamp. I went after him. When I got to the corner, he was gone. I moved on down the alley till I came to a half-open door. There was a light inside. It was the rear entrance to Rakam's place. I pushed it open and went in. I followed the red splotches on the floor to the far end of the corridor, where there was a door with a battered silver star nailed to it. Tisana's dressing room. Sprawled on the floor in a pool of blood was the muscle-bound wrestler, Barney Grogan. Both shoulders were touching the floor. He lost his last decision to a bullet. Barney Grogan was dead, all right. You wouldn't need a certificate from the Cairo Health Department to prove that. I glanced about to Sana's dressing room. There was nothing there that told me anything. I closed the door behind me. The crowd out front was calling for Tassana. I skirted my way around the crowded tables and opened the door to Rakam's office. He was sitting at his desk. Across from him sat Romani, Count Frosino's right-hand man. They were surprised when I walked in, and even more surprised when I picked up the phone and dialed for the police. Rocky, well, who are you calling? The police? No, nothing to get excited about, Rakam. Just a small case of murder. Murder, did you say, Jordan? Yeah, Romani. The corpse is here. Here? Jordan, you are joking. Cairo police, Captain It Zubaya. is impossible. There has been no Relax, murder. Rakam. Hello, Cairo police, Captain Zavaya. Sam, Mrs. Jordan. Can you come Rocky, on? Rocky, what is going on? You must tell Shut me. Shut up, Rakam. Hello, Sam. Yes, what is the matter? Speak up, Jordan. Sam, get out your notebook. Somebody's done it again. There's a body no, in Rakam's place. No, some kind of a what? trick of what yours, Jordan. What are you Jordan? talking about? You want to ruin my business. Will you shut you, up? You... Jordan, what is going on there? Put on your open-toed sandals, Sam. Rakam's place. Tell you about it when you get here. Rocky, what is this all about? There's a dead man backstage, Rakam. In Tizana's dressing room. Tizana? In Tizana's dressing room? Yeah, Romani. Character named Barney Grogan. Oh, by the way, uh, where is Tizana? Uh, she... 
I don't know. She should be doing her number now. Well, she's not. And your customers are getting pretty restless. How did you find out about this dead man, Mr. Jordan? It's a long story, Romani. Wait. Where are you going? Back to my cafe. I have an important matter to look into. Give my regards to Sabaya. I made it out the front door through a crowd of impatient customers. They were shouting for Tizana. I walked down the block to my place. As soon as I entered the tambourine, I knew something was wrong. The lights were still on, but Hinnock wasn't around. Then I heard it. The sound was coming from the closet under the stairway. I went over and unlocked the door. Hinnock spilled out. Mr. Jordan. All right, all right, Hinnock. What happened? I do not know. I heard a noise. I became frightened. I went to this closet to look for a stick, something to defend myself. Okay. While you were rummaging around in the closet, somebody came up from behind, shoved you in and locked the door. Yes, that is it, Mr. Jordan. I did not see who it was. It happened so quickly, but, Mr. Jordan, I heard something peculiar. It was the voice of a young boy. Wait a minute. On my desk. Where are you going, Mr. Jordan? Come on. The toy gun was gone. Hinnock and I searched the tambourine from top to bottom, but neither the gun or its owner was around. I locked up the cafe for the second time in one night and went back over to Rakan's place. Sam was already there. Found him in the hall just outside of Tisana's dressing room. Part of the crowd from the cafe had filled it in. They were milling around, trying to get a look at the corpse in the room. Rakan was there, wringing his hands. Romani was there, too. Well, Jordan, we have been waiting for you. Hi, Sam. A little important business to take care of in uh, my own cafe. You found the body, is that right, Jordan? Yeah, I found Barney Grove. Rocky, Rocky, my friend. Tell him I had nothing to do with it. All Tell right, him all I, right, I did Rakan. not... Simmer I... down. Uh, Jordan, let us go into the room. Romani, uh, you and Rakan, too. Sergeant Greco, you will clear this hallway. All right. Now, Jordan... From the uh, beginning, Sam? From the beginning. Okay. Somebody broke into my cafe tonight, not more than 20 minutes ago. Hinnock the baker told me about it. Hinnock told you about it? Yeah. I was here at Rakam's, believe it or not, waiting for the floor show. Hmm. Go on. When I got back to the tambourine, the side door was open. I walked in just as the fireworks began. There were three shots. Who fired? I don't know. The place was dark. After the shots, I ran out into the back way and saw a guy weaving up the alley. I trailed him here to Tassana's dressing room. That's how I found him. Hmm. What was Barney Grogan doing in your cafe? I don't know, Sam. Uh, Captain. Yes? When Count Frosino and I entered this cafe earlier this evening, I saw Mr. Jordan speaking to this man, Barney Grogan. Oh? Yes. They were standing in the entrance. Oh, I, uh, knew you'd bring that up, Romani. What did Barney Grogan want with you, Jordan? I don't know, Sam. I didn't give him a chance to tell me. Some sort of a deal he had in mind. I see. I told him to take his business somewhere else. That was the last time I saw him alive. Mm Mm-hmm. Go on. Go on. What else, Sam? I told you I found him in here, and that's when I called you. Mm-hmm. Rakam. Huh? Uh, yes, yes, Captain. This girl, Tisana, where is she? I, I do not know. I swear it. She she disappeared. Was this man, Barney Grogan, a friend of hers? I, I do not know, Captain. I have seen him here at my cafe a few times. He spoke to her, yes, but... Uh, Captain Sabaya, may I interrupt? What is it, Romani? Tisana. She also spoke with Mr. Jordan this evening. When I went to their table, she... she sent me away. She said they were discussing a private matter. Oh, you're a jewel. You're positively bubbling over with information, aren't you? Well, Jordan? Sure, Sam. Rakam introduced me to his little gold mine. How about it, Rakam? Uh, yes, yes, but... 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 but what, Rakam? Well, I... Uh, Rakam. All right, Rakam. 
What he's trying to say, Sam, is that Tizana brushed off Rakam. She told him she wanted to discuss something with me in private. Is that it, Rakam? Uh, yes. And what was this little private matter she wished to discuss with you, Jordan? You're going to hate me, Sam. I don't know that either. She never got around to it. Jordan, just how much of a fool do you take, Sam? Sam, all she told me was that she'd been threatened. Threatened by a man named Count Frasino. That is a lie. Okay, Romani, it's your ball. You run with it. Well, Romani, don't you see, Captain? Mr. Jordan is only trying to confuse the issue. Count Frasino has nothing to do with this. And I fail to see how the girl Tisana is involved. Just because this man's body was found in her dressing room. Just a minute. What was Count Frasino doing here this evening? He was here, was he not, Rakam? Uh, yes, yes. He has come to my cafe every evening for the past week. Why not, Captain? My noble employer is enjoying a holiday. Does it seem strange that he should want to visit the cafes of Cairo? Where's the noble character now, Romani? He has returned to his villa for the evening. I myself saw him to his automobile a few moments before you came into Rakam's office to call the police, Mr. Jordan. Yes, that is true, Captain. Romani was settling the check of Count Frasino when Mr. Jordan came into the office. Mm. Which brings up another important little item, Captain. After Mr. Jordan called you, he rushed back to his cafe. Should you not ask him why? I went back to stock up on toothpaste, Sam. Does that satisfy you? No, it does not. I didn't think it would. Well, I see no point in sticking around here. Where are you going, Jordan? Out to make a social call. Unless you have an official word to utter, Sam. No. But I would like to see you in the morning, Jordan. You'll write it down somewhere so I won't forget, Sam. Good night, gentlemen. Inside of five minutes, I was in the back seat of a cab heading toward the west end of Cairo. Between the bounces, I tried to put the loose ends together. A murder, a toy gun, a missing dancer. It all made an interesting puzzle. I figured the missing pieces might come from an Italian named Count Frasino. Shortly before 2 a.m., the cab pulled up in front of a 50-room shanty in the outskirts of town. I told the driver to wait, ran up the marble steps to the front door, and started leaning on the bell. A minute or so later, a prune-faced old native opened the heavy panel door. Yes? What is it, Effendi? Oh, just tell your boss that a man named Jordan wants to see him, huh? I am sorry, Effendi. Count Frasino cannot be disturbed. Oh, he won't mind just this once. No, wait, wait. You cannot come oh, in. Let's not be antisocial. No, I, I will call the guards. No. I said this was important. Please, Effendi, please, you must not disturb Count Frasino. Never mind, Godard. You will let the gentleman in. I looked up to see Count Frasino standing at the end of a long corridor. The striped pants and ascot had been replaced by a gray flannel sport coat and midnight blue slacks. But the monocle was still firmly in place. He nodded for me to follow him, and we worked our way past a display of marble statues that would put the Cairo Museum to shame. He opened a big oak door, stepped aside, and I entered what might have been either Grand Central Station or his study. Something caught my eye, and I unconsciously ducked. Towering above me in the center of the room was the statue to end all statues. Must have been 14 feet high. A marble woman, her arms outstretched. It occurred to me she'd make a good hat rack. Count Frasino closed the door. So, Mr. Jordan, this is indeed a pleasure. Uh, do sit down, won't you? Thank you. I don't like to barge in this way. Yes, but... yes, I know. Uh, you wish to speak with me, is that not correct? Yeah, I'm looking for a few answers. Answers? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, I understand. Uh, proceed, Mr. Jordan. It's about Tisana. Dishonored, Mr. Jordan? Yeah. I don't suppose you know an ex-wrestler named Barney Grogan was found dead in her dressing room a little while ago. Dead? In Dishonored's dressing room? Uh-huh. How? Oh. 
Uh, how did this happen? I thought maybe you might be able to tell me. I? Oh, but how should I know that? You've been around Tisana's place quite a bit lately, haven't you? Yes. Well, yes, To see but... Tisana? Yes. She gave me the idea she'd been threatened by you. Threat... Threatened by me? Oh, no, no. There must be a mistake. Why should I threaten her? I love her, Mr. Jordan. I love my wife very much. Your wife? You... You did not know, Mr. Jordan. Yes. Uh, Tisana is my wife. I'd better fall back and regroup right here. Well, that I didn't know, Frasino. Tisana and I were married several years ago in Italy. I'm afraid that life there was... Well, perhaps she was homesick for Egypt. Uh, there was also a misunderstanding. So she left you and came here to Cairo? Yes, that is right. I'm willing to admit that the misunderstanding was perhaps my fault. I listened to the wrong people. Now I have bought this home in Cairo to be near her. Now you want to patch it up, huh? Yes. And I want my son back. Your... your son? When Tassana left me, she took our child. She Wait a minute. How old is he? He's only six years old. But you see, he is my firstborn and only son. He is to be my successor and heir. He's the only one who can carry on our family name. So you see, this is most important, Mr. Jordan. Count, I think we can do business. Business? About finding your son. You know where he is. Well, suppose I put it this way. Suppose I... Frasino pitched forward, bounced against his desk, fell into the broken glass on the floor. I raced out to the terrace. It was deserted. And the lawn looked peaceful and quiet. I went back inside and bent over the unconscious form of Count Frasino. He was still breathing. Then the whole door banged open and the fruit-faced native rushed in, followed by a couple of Frasino's guards. From the looks on their faces, I could see they wouldn't wait for explanations. I flipped the table into them as they rushed me and ducked out into the terrace. I just crossed the lawn and reached the shadows along a row of trees when the guards opened up from the terrace. In the street, my cabbie had heard the shots and he started to get his hack moving. As he went past me, I jumped on the running board and we roared around the corner and headed back to Cairo. It was like Tassana's dance routine. You couldn't wind up the show without the final climax to keep the customers happy. And I wanted to give Sam Sabaya his money's worth. Now, when the cab and I had made it back to town, I pulled up at the nearest phone booth. The cabbie pocketed his change without a smile and roared away. I uh, did find some nickels. Cairo police, Captain Sabaya. Jordan, Sam. If you want to wind up the Barney Grogan affair, I've got the missing pieces. What's that, Jordan? Meet me at the corner of Sharia Ramar and Delhi Road. Don't stop to bring popcorn. Never mind, Jordan. I believe I can wind it up right here. Say that again, Sam. My men picked up the dancer, Tessana, 20 minutes ago. She was getting on the train for Alexandria. She, uh, wasn't alone, was she, Sam? No, as a matter of fact, Jordan. About, had... uh, six years old, huh, Sam? I'd even bet he was carrying a toy gun. How did you know, Jordan? <laughs> I'll fill in the details later. Now get rolling, will you, Sam? <laughs> Sam got rolling. In less than ten minutes, we were easing down the alley back at the tambourine. I brought him up to, to date on the affair, but I could see he still wasn't too sold on it. So this Barney Grogan kidnapped the child. Isn't that what Tassana rather told you? Yes, but... Uh... Works out that way, Sam. He was going to sell out to the highest bidder. He knew how much the Count wanted the boy, too. Tassana could have shot Grogan in your cafe. But Jordan. she didn't, Sam. That's why Grogan staggered back to Tassana's dressing room. 
Since he knew it was all over for him anyway, he wanted Tassana to have a boy. He told her where to look. That is a story, yes. All right. So while I'm over at Rakam's calling you, she ducked back to my cafe, picked up the boy, and beat it. Now, if you... Just a minute, Jordan. What's up, Sam? A light in your cafe. I... I saw it a moment ago. Yeah, that must be... There it is again, Sam. It's upstairs. Come on. I pushed open the alley door to the tambourine. Sam and I slipped inside. As we crossed the darkened room, we could hear someone moving around up above. From room to room. Then the footsteps came closer. He was walking down the balcony. I switched on the lights. Romani stood there at the head of the stairs, his mouth wide open. Just as he brought his gun up, Sam fired. Romani folded in the middle, reached out for the banister, missed, plunged headlong down the stairs. Well, that's the way it ended. Before Romani died, he filled in the missing pieces. He figured on killing Count Frosino, then taking the boy back to Italy. Once there, he could become the boy's guardian and also take care of the Count's king-sized estate. He hired Barney Grogan to do the job, but Barney held out for more money and Romani threatened him. Grogan got scared and came to me. When Romani saw the two of us talking in front of Rakam's place, he figured he'd have to act fast, so he caught up with Grogan at my place. He'd have gotten the boy then, too, if I hadn't walked in. Well, later at police headquarters, Sam still had a couple of questions. Jordan, uh, how did you know he was coming to your cafe tonight? Oh, it was a long shot, Sam. I figured the guy who had tried to knock off Count Forsino had overheard part of our conversation out there. From the way I'd talked, I guessed he must have thought the kid was still in my cafe and that he'd rush back to my place on the double. Hmm. Uh, there is one more thing, Jordan. Yes, Sam? Why did you not mention this boy when I talked to you at Rakam's place earlier this evening? Sam, who ever heard of reporting a cap pistol to the police? Jordan. Look, this... Sam, the deal was earmarked kidnapped from the beginning. You know I don't like to become involved in those things. Jordan, I know you like to keep certain things to yourself. And I know that when there is a kidnapping, there is also ransom or a reward. You you did not have this in mind, of, of course. Sam, my boy, I haven't made a nickel on the deal, so help me. Not yet, anyway. But I've been around here long enough to know that when anyone comes out ahead on one of these deals, it is always Rocky Jordan. Tell me, why, why is that? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a very good question. I dropped around to the hospital the next morning to see how Count Frosino was getting along. He was going to make it okay. Sassano was there, holding his hand and smiling. The Count was very appreciative of what I'd done, just as Sam figured he would be. Yeah, it was a sizable reward. I am now the only cafe owner in Cairo with a 14-foot marble statue of a woman with her arms outstretched. And I was right, too. She does make a good hat rack. Rocky Jordan is presented from Columbia Square in Hollywood and stars Jack Moyles in the title role. Tonight's story was written by William Frug, produced and directed by Cliff Powell with original music by Milton Charles. Rocky Jordan was a radio series about an American restaurateur in Cairo who each week became involved in some kind of mystery or adventure. 
The show was broadcast on CBS from October 1948 to September of 1950, and then again from June to August in 1951. The character of Rocky Jordan had been introduced to listeners in a similar show called A Man Named Jordan that was broadcast in 1945, but set in Istanbul rather than Cairo. The two lead roles were those of Rocky Jordan and Captain Sam Sabaya of the Cairo Police. For most of the show's history, Jordan was played by veteran radio actor Jack Moyles, but he was replaced by movie star George, Ra George Raft for the brief 1951 run. Jay Novello played Sabaya throughout the entire series. Other roles were played by members of Hollywood's Radio Row, and the announcer was Larry Thor. Rocky Jordan is the proprietor of Cafe Tambourine located in Cairo, though he is originally from St. Louis. As an American restaurateur in a North African country, Jordan is somewhat similar to Rick Blaine character in the film Casablanca. The announcer describes it as being crowded with forgotten men and alive with a babble of many languages. Each episode sees Jordan confronted with a crime, a mystery, a beautiful woman, or a combination of the three. Precisely why Jordan is in Egypt is left deliberately vague, though he apparently has enemies in St. Louis so he can't go back home. Sam Sabaya is the police captain who apprehends the criminals at the end of each adventure. Sabaya is portrayed as a diligent and competent policeman, usually as Jordan's friend and ally, but sometimes as his foil. He is an Egyptian Muslim, is married, and has four children. Two further characters appear in some but not all episodes, Chris and Sergeant Greco. Chris is the bartender at Cafe Tambourine, while Greco is Sabaya's underling. Greco has a particular dislike of Jordan and is invariably trying to make his life difficult, often by arresting him as the chief suspect in whatever crime Jordan is trying to solve. He's also ambitious and eager for promotion. The show has a deliberately eastern feel through careful use of music and sound effects, and the writers Larry Roman and Gomar Kuhl took care that the characters used the names of real streets in Cairo. Much of the information the, the writers used for this came from a book called The Pocket Guide to Egypt that the U.S. Army had produced for servicemen sent there during the war. The oriental-sounding music composed for the show by Richard Arund is considered to be of exceptional quality. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.